2: Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story podcast. I'm your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. I just want to let you know that this episode does include a story which mentions death. If this might be triggering, well... Just be warned. One evening, Mo and I were out walking in a new spot for us. It was far from home, a spot we found beaking around in the car. Sunlight filtered through the trees, leaves dancing with the summer breeze cooling the air. The trail twisted and turned around great trees and giant boulders, which Mo, of course, had to sniff. The trail came to a raging stream, splashing over rocks and cascades were roaring. At some point, as we followed the force, I realised I had not seen a trail marker for a while. We stuck to the side of what was turning into a gant, the sides rising away from the galloping water. The rocks rose and we scrambled higher. Mo, making easy work, leaping and bounding. Me, using roots and branches to help me climb. When we got to the top and started to make our way down the other side, we could see that the stream got wider, flatter and slower as we came around a bend. The forest vanished into a plain of sorts and there was a lake. It was not a small lake, but it wasn't huge either. A rock, far off, rose out of it, and standing on top, tall and regal, was a great blue heron. Mo and I made our way to the shore where my dog lapped up the water. It had been a hot climb and descent. As I sat on a stone pulling out my water bottle, I looked over at the heron. It looked at us as if to say, what are you doing here? I heard a splash and saw a fishtail vanish. This made Mo jump and look. I stared into the clear, bright water. There were fish there. A lot of fish. Large fish, swimming about frantically. I'm not a fisherman, but I recognised trout and perch in amongst those fish. Mo rumped at the fish when they splashed her with vigour. The heron's head spun around on its long neck and it peered beneath the water. Rapidly lifting its head, it spread its wings and hopped hurriedly into the sky. The downbeat made ripples on the water, which spread out further and further. But the ripples, instead of getting smaller, began to grow in size and swirl about. It looked as if a whirlpool were forming, but it was moving towards us at high speed. Then something dark broke the surface and came at us. Elisa Permain is one of my favorite people. She's an incredibly compassionate human being, and this comes out in her stories. Many of her tales are healing stories from cultures from all over the world. Her telling reflects her compassion. Please enjoy Lisa Permain's The Mustard Seed.
1: Let me tell you a story from the Buddhist tradition. Once, long ago, a young woman named Kisa Gotami had a baby. She had yearned for a child and she loved the boy dearly. But one day the child sickened. The doctors could not heal him and soon he died. Kisa Gotami was beside herself and refused to accept the death of her child. She ran to all of the healers in the village, begging and pleading for them to make her a potion, something to bring the baby back to life. Finally, in pity, someone suggested that she go to see the Buddha himself. Kisa Gotami went before the Buddha with the dead child in her arms. Please, Honorable One, can you make me a potion that will bring my baby back to life? The Buddha looked at the young woman and at the child. Yes, he said, but the necessary ingredient is very difficult to obtain. I will find it. Bring me a mustard seed. A mustard seed? That will be easy. Listen, child, a mustard seed from a household that has not known death. "'Kisa Gotami hurried off back to her village, "'and she knocked at the first door that she came to. "'Please, I need a mustard seed for a potion "'that will bring my baby back to life.' "'The woman ran to her cupboard for her mustard seed bottle. "'Oh,' Kisa remembered, "'your household has has not suffered any deaths, has it?' "'Oh, yes,' said the woman. "'We lost both of my parents in the last three years.' Kisa hurried along to the next household. I need a mustard seed. And it was brought. And then the question and the answer. Yes, I lost my wife two months ago. On she hurried to the next house and the next. And at each house, the question was met with the same answer. Yes, 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 we have known death. Finally, Kisa Gotami stopped and looked at her child. Her child was dead, like all of the others who had been lost in her village, and she was left behind to grieve, like all the others. She felt the pain rising in her chest like a terrible storm. Only now, she would let that storm come. She returned home and, with her husband, buried her child and began her grieving process. For now, she understood that death, grief, and loss are as common to people's experience as mustard seed is to cooking in India. Eventually, she returned to the Buddha and became one of his best Students.
2: This week's sponsor is No Way Creature Removal Services. From scorpions to ants, cockroaches to earwigs, if you don't like rats, spiders and snakes, or trolls and dragons have moved in nearby, then call Miss Muffet at No Way Creature Removal Services. No matter what varmint, beasties or insects are bugging you, yes, I did that, Destroying your property, crawling over your face at night. Get off your tuffet and core Ms. Muffet to remove and rehome creatures you fear or find filthy. Removed with respect and care and taken to the dark woods in the enchanted forest for relocation. Humane habitat for creatures that give you the heebie-jeebies. Call No Way Creature Removal Services. 888 shriek. This episode is also brought to you by our new patron, Alex, and her pup, Midja. Shout out to her friends, Sam and Patricia, who just got married. Whoa! Being a supporter, Alex and Midja have the ability to see from a safe distance many of the magical creatures that might live in their area. They are also a generous supporter of storytelling and the arts, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. Your generous support allows this podcast to reach bigger audiences and grow. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. To join the story supporters, go to storystorypodcast.com for more information. And if you want to hear us make up fairytale facts about you and thank you for an episode, then become a supporter now and help this podcast keep going. The head, that was rushing out of the foaming water, had a horse-like look to it. Mo began to jump up and down, hop really. She does this when a chipmunk she is chasing scampers up a tree. She danced about the shore and came close to my side, excited. The creature slowed as it got closer to the shore and it swam to part of the bank about thirty feet from where I was sitting. The heron, usually a very quiet bird, called out as it flew off as if it was warning us. Looking at the colour of the water, the rocks and the size of this water animal, there must have been a drop-off on that lake shore. I slowly stood and walked towards it. It watched me. Although it had a jaw and nose like a horse, this beautiful animal seemed to be smiling at me. The gills on the side of its head fluttered. I crouched down beside the water's edge and looked closely at the aquatic horse batting its eyelids at me. It shook its head. It seemed this horse wanted to take me for a ride. I stood and got closer, reaching out with my hands to pet it. The beast turned to face me, its head moving towards me, mouth open, jaws filled with sharp teeth. What? I fell back, tripping over a rock. Moe, hackles now raised on her back, leapt into the air, barking at the water animal. Mo lowered her head and growled. Her barking and growling felt as though it were waking me from some sort of trance. This water horse was of course a Kelpie, or something very much like one. Kelpies come from Scotland and are water horses who have sticky backs. They get people to jump on them to take them on a ride, but then take them below the water for a snack, if you know what I mean. There are some water horses who are friendly but this seemed to be one of those who were not quite so friendly i tut tutted the water horse and mo and i backed away from the water's edge the kelpie was a beautiful creature it looked at me with deep bright eyes as if to say i'm sorry i promise i won't hurt you but i kept my distance there was no way i wanted to find out if it really were friendly or not I took another step back. Mo raised her head, tail upright, ears alert, and I watched as she tilted her head one side and then the other. It seemed she wasn't sure about this creature either. Slapping the side of my leg, I called Mo to me. We turned and headed back to where we had come from. As we climbed back up the rocks and into the woods to follow the stream back up to the trail, I looked over my shoulder back to the lake. There was no sign of the Kelpie, or whatever it was, and the surface of the water was as smooth as glass. I suppose, just like you don't get into a car with a stranger, you don't get on the back of a Kelpie. You just don't know. The rest of the walk was uneventful, but I was really happy with that. Amo was quite happy chasing squirrels and chipmunks into trees until we got back to the car. She slept the whole way home, my wonderful black dog. Jamie Olivero originally comes from New York, but has lived a large part of his life in Canada. He collects and writes and tells stories from all over the world, and the tale you'll hear him tell today is The Day the Sun Was Stolen.
0: To the north and the northwest, there are stories of raven. Raven, powerful guardian. Raven, bright-eyed trickster. And one day raven was on the ground, hopping here and there, looking perhaps for a bit to eat. And he came upon a ball of clay. So in a playful mood, he, he rolled it with his feet and he carved it with his beak. And he made this nice, plump, rounded creature. And he rolled another little bit of clay on for a tail. And he stomped that tail round and flat. And then he breathed life into it. Brrrr! <makes noise> made himself a beaver. Hey, if you don't believe me, look at beaver's round, flat tail. See all those crisscrossy lines in there? Those are the tracks of raven's feet. Well, once he made the beaver, raven, he decided to make more creatures. He took another ball of clay and rolled it and carved it and then rolled it again in some pine needles and bro, made himself a porcupine. He he took another ball and, and he rolled it bigger and he stuck some branches in the top and made himself a moose. And he kept on going pretty soon. He was just playing, you know. He took a little ball and he stuck it on a bigger ball and put some grass there and some twigs for arms, legs. Bro, bro. He made the first person. It looks so funny, he's laughing at it to this day. And if you walk under a tree and there's a raven there, he'll go, big joke, big joke. And he kept on going until he only had one big ball of clay left. So Raven started rolling it in mud and moss until it got even bigger. And then he breathed a lot of life into it. Barrr. And he made bear, but not like any bear in the world today. No, because of all that mud and moss, that bear's coat was twice as thick as any bear's coat we know today. And when he was done that, Raven was tired. So he flew off, found himself a nice branch up in a pine tree, and went to sleep. So now all these creatures that he made are playing in the world, and and everyone was happy, mm, except for the bear. You see, it was a bright, sunny day, and because bear had that thick, thick fur coat, he was twice as hot as all the other creatures, and, and, and he was he was sweating, and he was getting cranky. And I don't know if you know this, but there is nothing worse than a cranky bear, especially a big one. And so finally, bear, he reared up on his hind legs and he looked up at the sun. And he pointed at it with one huge paw. And he said, I'm going to get you. And he started along. And he come to a mountain. And he climbed and he climbed and he climbed until he got to the top. And there on the snow-covered top of that mountain, he scooped up one paw full of snow and another and another until his whole mouth was chilled icy cold. And then he stretched up from the top of that mountain and hooked one great claw in the sun, pulled it out of the sky, and popped it through his mouth. And what he had a hunt in his mouth, he climbed back down the mountain and went back to his cave. And in front of his cave was a great, big rock. And he pushed with his great strength and he rolled that rock aside. And under the rock, there was a hole. And he (coughs) 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 he spit the sun into the hole. And then he rolled the rock back on top. And he said, that takes care of that. And he went inside his cave, and he went to sleep. So now Bear was comfortable. But the world the world was dark and, and cold. And in the cold and the darkness, there was a little boy who lived with his granny. And he went to his granny, and he said, Granny, what's happened to the sun? Granny, she sniffed the air. She licked a finger, and she held it up, and she tasted the wind. And then Granny, she took a stick, and she made some secret pictures in the dirt. And then she looked up, and she said, Bear. Bear's behind this. And she looked at her little grandson and she said, Grandson, are you brave? Yes, Granny. Are you very brave? Yes, Granny. Are you brave enough to face the bear? (laughs) No, Granny. She said, yes, you are. Because I'm going to help you. And she reached into her medicine pouch. And she pulled out something all rolled up. It, it, It was a fish skin. And when she unrolled it smooth and soft as leather, she gave it to the boy, and he wiggled into it, and she told him, now this is what's going to happen, grandson. I'm going to carry you down to the river, and you're going to swim and hide in the cattails. And after a while, Bear's going to wake up, and he's going to be hungry. He's going to go down to the river. He's going to catch one fish and eat it. Then he's going to catch another fish and eat it. And then you swim out and let him catch you. Oh no, Granny, he's going to eat me too. No, he's not. You're going to be so big and juicy for him. He's going to take you home and save you for later. And when he puts you down and he goes inside his cave to sleep, this is what you're going to do. And she whispered to the boy, Ooh, Granny, that's a good idea. So she took the boy down to the river. And she set him in his fish skin into the water. And now, because of that fish skin, he could swim like a fish. He could breathe under water like a fish. And he went and he hid in the cattails. And after a while, Bear woke up. Mmm, hungry. Mmm, breakfast. Mmm, fish. So Bear, he, he lumbered down to the river, and he, he reached in and, pa, 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 pa. he caught one fish and ate it. And then, boom, he caught another fish and ate it. And then <laughs> the little boy in the fish skin, hoping his granny was right, swam on out. And the Bear watched him, and he, and he scooped him up in two great big paws, and he said to himself, Oh, you're so big and juicy, I think I'll take you home and save you for later. And so then very gently, Great Bear, he took the boy in the Fiskin, and he opened his mouth, and he put him in his arm, like that. And he spit the boy out on the ground, and he went inside. And he went to sleep. The boy lay there still and pretty soon from inside the cave (sniffs) when the boy heard the bear snoring he wiggled out of the fish skin and he tucked it in a pouch he had and then he took out something his granny had given him. It was a clamshell and she had sharpened the edge of that clamshell by rubbing it on a stone until it was like a razor. And then that brave little boy, he crept into the cave and he started to shave the sleeping bear. He shaved off enough fur so that there wasn't any more fur on bear than there is today and he took all that extra fur and he stuck it in the pouch and he started running he started running so fast that as he was running through the woods the pouch opened a bit and all that fur scattered on the winds but but he, he tied it up again and he just kept on running 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 until he got back to his granny and he jumped into her arms and she gave him a great big hug and they both laughed a little while later, Bear woke up. It's cold. It's freezing. Where's the sun? Oh, the sun. The sun. Barry. He went running outside. He he pushed aside the rock and he reached down with his claws and he and he carefully pulled his son out of the hole, batting it back and forth and tossed it up high in the sky. Ah. Uh, Now Bear was warm. And and all the creatures were warm. And and to this day, Bear, he has to go to sleep in the winter because Bear's coat isn't as thick as it used to be. And and as for all that other fur that went scattering on the winds, well, think about this. Uh, Every fall time, creatures like like squirrels, like even perhaps your your dog if you have one, um... their their fur gets thicker for the winter, doesn't it? Yeah. Where do you think all that extra fur came from? hmm? That's how the story goes.
2: Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find Jamie online and Elisa at wisdomtales.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. We are still in strange times for performing artists, but the opportunities to, c- to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favourite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Socially distanced, of course. Did you know that you can stay connected with the podcast and see the fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at StoryStoryPodcast? Or you can connect with me, Simon Brooks, at Simon M. Brooks on Instagram and on Facebook, and my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller. While you're there, let us know what your favourite story is that you've heard, or the favourite stories from your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from the beautiful brains of Christina Vincent. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was flooding in the woods in my home and the music is by Poddington bear thank you Poddington. this podcast is made possible by patrons like you consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on apple podcasts which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show you'll hear more stories next week but until then live happily ever
1: Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby.
2: And to this day, Anansi spins webs, so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth
0: that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass,
1: rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.